way, did you see Mayor Pete sit down to a piano in some random room and start playing away lovely? Yes, so in addition, he's a concert pianist so and speaks addition, seven languages right. and the rest of it. No. And war veteran and uh, all that different right. stuff. At some point, you got to hold back, don't you? Not te- let, 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 Don't let people know you can also play the piano. Just too much. At some point, yeah, you start to resent a guy like that. Oh, and he's a master painter and a gymnast. And Let me guess, your origami's just out of here. Taught himself heart surgery and saved 50 people. <laughs> the great heart attack uh, crisis of 1998. Anyway. So it's always a pleasure. It's always an honor. It's a planner to welcome Tim <laughs> Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, uh, of the Goldwater Institute. Uh, is there something or other? His title isn't on the screen. Hanson, why is the title not on the screen? Anyway, uh, Tim joins us now. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hey, it's a planner to be here. <laughs> uh, what is your title, by the way? I can't remember. I'm the, I'm the vice president for litigation, so I'm in charge of our lawyers. Ah, fabulous. You keeping them in line? Uh, yeah, they stay in line pretty well. Mm. I'll bet y'all are pretty enthused about your work there. I have so many questions for you, uh, Tim, um, that are just keep popping into my head. Including, I remember you tweeting once last year about what the best years of The Simpsons were. Mm-hmm. It was from first, when to when? First eight seasons. First eight seasons. And then why did you cut it off after eight seasons? Did something happen? Oh, it just went into gradual decline. Well, I know. Uh, so yeah. I'm not saying that the, that those other seasons are are necessarily bad, but those are the cream of the crop. Okay. The first season's off-puttingly different, like a lot of yeah. shows are. Um, I, and I would argue that the pace of the early seasons, as delightful as they were, is notably slower than you know the last decade because our brains worked better. Right. Right. Oh, it's absolutely true. It's you know I've been, I was watching a documentary the other day and it just blew me away how short an attention span the directors nowadays give cre- give us credit for. They don't assume that we're able to sit still and think about something for more than sixty seconds at a time. So most of your documentaries nowadays seem to consist of recapping what they just told you before the commercial break and then telling you what's coming up after the next commercial break. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's troubling. In the music industry, they say you've got, what, four seconds to grab people before they'll jump out of the song, so you have to have something good in that first four seconds. And I, re- I refuse to believe that. I, I, my view is that they're giving us too little credit, that if Hollywood producers or music producers would give us the opportunity, I think they would be surprised by the fact that people are willing to sit still and listen for more than 60 well, seconds. Blah, 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 too long, didn't listen. See Game of Thrones, <laughs> complex, long, all that sort of yeah. stuff, and people right. love it. Right. Anyway, the question I actually wanted to ask you is because you texted me a while back recommending a book, Heaven on Earth, about uh, socialism. And I think this presidential election, while they are way too long in, in the modern world and way too much about the personalities for like two years before we even get to voting and all that sort of stuff, having a national debate that I think we're going to have about socialism, what it is, what it isn't, how much of it do we want, all that sort of stuff I'm really excited about. Um, you won't be so excited when you lose the argument, but well, go on. I do think we're going to lose the argument. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm on the non-socialism side. Why did you recommend the book on heaven on earth, which is about the history of socialism? That's right. It's by a guy named Joshua Moravchik, who himself grew up in a family of committed communists and then became familiar with the history of socialism. And it's a very objective and thorough history, really well written, describing how socialism originated in different countries and the results of it. And, and really that it's a secular version of a religion. It's the idea that we can create heaven on earth 
uh, with with our our if only we believe strongly enough rather than following the laws of economics that are natural laws just like the laws of physics and medicine no no socialism tells us that we can rearrange those laws to suit what we desire which is a hopeless and potentially disastrous task well you but can actually you. redesign the desires and goals of humanity and have them Reshape follow human right. being that's right alter human nature that's right yeah and i'll tell you it's uh, i'm i'm into it and it's really good heaven on earth and it's not super thorny or at least i haven't found it to be so far i think that's the conversation we should have anyway over the next two years especially if bernie's the candidate which he very well may be anyway well like i just said unfortunately it will probably take place in the form of 15 second blip verts instead of an actual sustained argument between people who know what the hell they're talking well good point well if you had a simple message to for instance a a a young uh, adult who has uh, fallen for the siren song of socialism, thinks it's all about justice and equality. What, what is your brief retort? It is this. Government gets paid even when it's wrong. It's the most important thing you can know about government. Government still gets its paycheck even if it makes the wrong decision. If I go to Taco Bell and I order a burrito and they give me the wrong burrito or they give me something that I didn't order, I don't go to that Taco Bell anymore. I go to some other restaurant instead. And those people don't get paid because they did a bad job. But if government does a bad job, it still gets its money anyway. In fact, it probably gets more money because they can go and complain and say that the reason why they did the wrong thing was because their budgets weren't big enough. Right. So if government gets paid even when it makes the wrong choice, why in the world would you trust it to make any choices at all? If you think that people are, are too stupid or lazy or whatever to run their own lives, you certainly cannot trust them with the authority to run other people's lives. But socialism ignores all of that and says that if only we believe strongly enough, if only we have enough faith, and if only we're willing to sacrifice enough of ourselves on behalf of some abstract general good, give up the greatness that belongs to each individual human being for the sake of the state, that somehow we can you know, transcend material needs and become some sort of hu- superhuman beings where there will be no poverty and no sadness and no risk, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be my lesson. In short, heaven on earth. Indeed. So, hey, listen, uh, as I glance at the clock, why don't we, if this is convenient to your schedule, take a quick break, then come back and talk about the uh, the big victory y'all at the Goldwater Institute have achieved in the courts. Sounds good. If we take a break, are your lawyers going to get a lot of line because you aren't keeping an eye on them? Riding herd? Uh, I'll text messages and make sure. (laughs) Got to keep the lawyers in line. Use the angry face emoji. It'll send a message. (laughs) Some more with Tim the lawyer on a a big victory that is surprising it even needed to happen. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience Of of, of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fan favorite, Tim the Lawyer. Many of the people we've had on over the many years on the Armstrong and Getty Show, we don't get more positive response from listeners than we do with Tim the Lawyer. Tim Sandifer is the Vice President for Litigation, Goldwater Institute. Besides litigating important cases for economic liberty, private property rights, and free speech, he's also the author of several terrific books, including the recent 
Frederick Douglass, self-made man, and a, a fave of mine, Cornerstone of Liberty, Property Rights in 21st Century America, co-authored with his lovely bride, Christina, which points out that, indeed, property rights are at the cornerstone of all liberty, uh, in spite of the messages you hear otherwise. Anyway, uh, so, Tim, y'all have been fighting uh, against ridiculous regulations, uh, particularly in Arizona recently. Tell us all about it. Yeah, actually, we've had two really, really wonderful victories uh, recently, one big one and one little but fun one. So the little but fun one is this. Um, In Arizona, as in many states, you have to have a license to be a makeup artist or a barber or cosmetologist. And of course, to get that license can take thousands of hours in training and cost tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, it takes longer to become a licensed cosmetologist in Arizona than to become a, a professional airline pilot. Wow. (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, I I remember uh, my uh, my cousin was interested in being a cosmetologist, and for the first several months she was working, she would just jab women right in the eye with the mascara (laughs) thing because she didn't understand you're not supposed to jab people in the eye until she was taught that. See, and the the absurdity of it all is that we all know that these licensing laws actually don't exist to protect the public in most cases. Most of the time, what they really are are prohibitions on free economic competition that are in place to protect those who already have licenses against having to compete from others. And so it's just like if Walmart were to try to outlaw Target. You know, it could make a lot of money by doing that. And so a lot of the time, businesses go to the government and ask to them to create these licensing laws so that they don't have to compete against people, so that they can then raise their prices. Well, it's become very fashionable in certain circumstances to have what they call blow-dry bars, which is these are not barbershops. You don't get your hair cut there, but you get what's called a blowout. This is some, This was all new to me, being a man. This isn't something I have to deal with. This is something women... This isn't a that, Robert you know. Kraft thing, is it, that uh, <laughs> owner who went to get the rub and tug in Florida? Totally, totally different. It's a different thing. Okay, gotcha. And, and who, and who knows why these fads come and go, but the new thing is to have these... The, do your hair with just a blow-dry. Well, in Arizona, that was illegal without a cosmetology license. Oh, my God. <laughs> these people aren't cutting hair or, or, or shampooing hair or anything like that. They're just using a blow dryer, and it's illegal to use a blow dryer without government permission in the state of Arizona. That's so, listen, amazing. There are important constitutional uh, issues at stake here, but so they, they just, like, wet your hair, then dry it? <laughs> they just, oh, I, they don't ever necessarily wet your hair. What? They just... They just blow it and then comb it, and it makes it look in a, a different way. I don't know. This is magic in my mind. They're breeding illegal pandas in the back or something. This is a front. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so fortunately, the governor has just signed a bill that says, no, you don't have to get government permission to use a blow dryer on somebody's hair. People already use blow dryers in their own homes. It's already you're allowed to use blow dryers or or, uh, hair irons in a demonstration in a store in a shopping mall in Arizona. So why can't we just allow people to do blow drying if that's something that people want to do? And you would not believe how controversial this was. This is one of the most controversial pieces of legislation to pass in Arizona in recent years. Well, I understand it didn't get a single Democratic vote? Vote in, in, in the House? 
Or, or, is exactly right. The, the powerful cronies, and you wouldn't think that the cosmetology industry would be like this, but in fact, they are very powerful, politically influential cronies in the state of Arizona. They lobbied hard to prohibit this because they don't want to face fair economic competition. And I'm glad to say the good guys won and the governor has signed that bill. So Sean had the question, what's to stop them from blow drying directly into their uh, someone's eyes? And <laughs> no, to, dogs to, and cats living together, mass hysteria. I kid you not, there was testimony in the state legislature legislature that people would die if this bill passed okay so i i I, the funny question but the legitimate for for people saying well maybe maybe there should be a reason that a makeup artist gets a license is there a decent argument for that no Uh, I don't see one either, but and and, we already let people you put makeup on themselves or their children or their loved ones at home. So if it's safe enough to do there, it also should be safe enough to do professionally. If it's so dangerous, then you need to outlaw it in the home also. Well, and I know, and Milton Friedman was always making the argument. uh, He's one of my favorite writers of libertarian freedom and stuff. Is that even if you're going to have these sorts of things, you don't want them to be a government uh, organization. Exactly. Because, again, government gets paid even when it's wrong. Now, the second, there was a second piece of right. legislation that got passed I also want to talk about. This is, this is a bigger deal, and that is our universal recognition bill. And that is a, a piece of legislation that says that if you got a professional license in some other state and you move to Arizona, you don't have to get that license in Arizona. We will recognize your out-of-state license period. And that is a huge benefit to the Arizona economy and to the freedom of people who want to move to this state. Arizona has been bringing in a lot of population lately, people fleeing the People's Republic of California, among other things. And they're, they're coming here bringing their skills and their knowledge, and they shouldn't be locked out of jobs absent some government bureaucrat's permission. What's the argument behind that one? Well, once again, you know, we, oh my gosh, it's public safety, public safety, except it's not really public safety. What it really is, is existing industries not wanting to face right. fair competition. Right. I love this list. Contractors, contractors, home inspectors, massage therapists, exterminators, morticians, child care workers, and many others. If you got a bad mortician, is he going to kill somebody? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that the fear? And the governor, the governor signed this bill into law uh, as, a, as sort of a publicity stunt on the hood of a U-Haul tractor to show people that, you know, Arizona is open for business. All of you suckers still sitting there in California waiting for the tax man to show up. You know, you're all welcome out here. It's real nice during the wintertime. So I've always wondered, so if, say, say I'm doing something where there is some possible danger. Um, I don't know, you're using chemicals or something like that for... Uh fixing people's hair or something like that if i if i if i do something wrong and hurt them i'm aren't i just subject to the same laws that would would exist with anybody that's for hurting them already so i mean there's already there's already a deterrent not only is it going to kill my business that i've put you know money and effort into i'm i'm liable already and, you know, there's plenty of ways for people to find that out, too. You know, back in the day, before Yelp and Amazon and Craigslist and Angie's List and all these sorts of things, people couldn't necessarily get information about uh, a barber before they went down to his barber shop. But nowadays, you can check. You can find out this information. Is this guy a good barber or not before you go down there? So there's even less need for licensing than there was in the past. Now, you're right. If it's a threat, if the person is using dangerous chemicals, then that person should have to be competent before engaging in that trade and we don't disagree with that but 
when a person is just using a blow dryer that you're already allowed to use at home. Or another example that came up in recent years is um, teeth whiteners. There's people who, for, for money, will whiten your teeth by applying a, a te- a, one of those plastic strips to your teeth, and then they pull it off and your teeth look whiter. And the government in several states tried to shut that down, saying people were engaged in dentistry without a license. You need a <laughs> dentist license to do that. But you can go and buy these things sure. over the counter at the store. Right. You're a bit right. of a moron paying someone to do it, but uh, you know, it's your choice. Right. Well, it shows that licensing laws are used not to protect consumers, but to protect established businesses against fair competition. Tim, we've got about 90 seconds left, but I, I remember one of our favorite cases was the, was the one involving uh, moving companies. Was it in Washington State or Oregon? It was in several states, but that, the one you're thinking of was in Kentucky. But in a oh. lot of states, you have to get permission from all the existing moving companies before you're allowed to run a moving company. Which is hilarious. We did this case in in uh, Kentucky a few years ago and got that struck down as unconstitutional. Very proud. God, of how did it even I'm exist? Always, always getting Kentucky and Oregon mixed up, which totally ruined my Kentucky Derby vacation. <laughs> Jake was a very bad mover. Honestly, I was, I was there in Medford just waiting for <laughs> no days. horse racing at all. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> Good stuff. Tim the lawyer. Tim Sandifer is the vice president for litigation, the Goldwater Institute. Uh, Frederick Douglass, self-made man. The most recent book. It's terrific for adults and uh, and really teens. Uh, or, or particularly bright nine-year-olds. It's just a fabulous read. Tim, it's always great, always stimulating. It's been too long. Let's talk again soon. Absolutely, guys. Thanks. All right, our pleasure. And even if you decide uh, there should be some sort of regulating body, it doesn't need to be a government institution. It can be a private institution that everybody you know, joins or pays into or whatever. And furthermore, if Kentucky said you're a perfectly good exterminator, yeah. you don't need a new license just because you cross the state line. Right. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, it is Mueller Eve. How is the White House preparing? Another black eye for the Catholic Church. And if you need a new heart, get a 3D printer. Coming up. God, I almost want to take tomorrow and Friday off. I'm not Done. looking forward to the Mueller report. God, the way it's going to be used by everybody. Oh. That's why we're here, Jack. Oh. It's going to be painful. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. We have built our culture on lies, according to David Brooks of the New York Times. Five main lies our culture tells us that's got us all unhappy and seeking mental health treatment. And some of them, at least, are really good and worth thinking about. Here's what I propose. Let's uh, touch on them, take a quick look at them, and then go big on it tomorrow. All right. I don't want to talk about freaking Pete Buttigieg anymore well, the, and, and the, the election that's not happening for like six and no, a half the years. The Mueller report comes out tomorrow. Whatever it is. We'll be reading that front to back. You will. Go ahead. No, it probably won't come out in time, honestly, for, for us on, on our show. But Thank um, just, God. I just said 564 <laughs> days. Is that how many days till the election? Mm-hmm. I will tell you this, though. Did you know Buttigieg is a Maltese? Yeah, you know what they say about Maltese. His dad is an immigrant from Malta. I don't know what Professor that is. Professor of Literature at University of Notre Dame. 
Okay. Do you know the name Buttigieg is Semitic, and Tijij means poultry in Maltese? Did not know that. There you go. So that's some there you go. excellent Mayor Pete So now knowledge. it's 563 days. No, it's still <laughs> on the same day. Still. Oh, boy. We have some breaking news now with Marsha Phillips. Yes, indeed. We're just getting word now. Reports say police have captured the woman obsessed with the Columbine High School shooting. Oh, good. Denver. Yeah, she's 18. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And her dad was pleading for her to come home. She's got mental problems. and Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, on the run after making threats that led to the closure of schools in and around the Denver area. Again, the reports are they have captured her. Meanwhile, on another note, twas the night before Mueller and all through the White House, the president's people were preparing to douse any damaging material the report might contain. That's pretty good. Did you write that? I did indeed. Awesome. Skillful. Nice job, Marshall. The Justice Department is expected to release special counsel Robert Mueller's final report tomorrow morning. Trump's legal team... Oh, you hear that, Joe? You spoke too soon. It's coming out tomorrow morning. Fine. During our show. Super. Can can they put it out after our show? (laughs) You having a good time, Joe? (laughs) Not really. No. No. Tired of it. I just, well, I never got to the Ken Starr thing. I meant to dig that up. So yeah. Ken Starr, I saw him on one of the channels yesterday. He's the guy that was the Robert Mueller of the Clinton impeachment, uh-huh. more or less. And uh, and he said, look, based on what Barr has told us about the redactions and everything like that, he said, I think everybody's going to be highly unsatisfied with this. Right. You're going to get just get to where you think you've got something good and it's going to be redacted. And there's just going to be speculation, endless speculation about what it is. Right. I heard a Democrat interviewed on the execrable, the horrifying, the terrible CNN this morning. <laughs> and this uh, this uh, numbskull was saying, we have subpoenaed the entire report. And the fake journalists on CNN didn't even say, well, what about the laws that dictate you can't release grand jury testimony? They don't even ask those questions. Nobody's interested in it. It's just, I don't, I'll shut up now, because evidently that sort of, like, egg-headed inquiry just has no home anymore. Man, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a society that's reached its dumbest level. It's, we're at our nadir, <laughs> my friends. This uh, just coming out, the Justice Department Opioid Task Force announcing the biggest multi-state bust ever. Wow. Speaking today in Cincinnati, the assistant assistant attorney general said the 60 indictments against doctors, pharmacists, and medical professionals marks the single largest prescription opioid law enforcement operation in history. Wow, wow, wow. I want to hear more about this. I wonder how many deaths they can they can tie to this. Wow. Never mind the number of lives that have yeah. been ruined or near ruined by addiction. I mean, these people may be guilty of of mind-boggling amounts of evil. The Archbishop of Los Angeles, or the Archdiocese, I should say, of Los Angeles will pay $8 million to a teenager who was sexually abused by a Catholic school teacher in 2016. The settlement is the most money the Archdiocese has ever agreed to pay to a single victim. The abuser was a health teacher and athletic director at an all-girls school. He was involved. Uh, uh, he was uh, allowed to continue working at the school, even though there have been prior allegations of misconduct against him. When his wife found evidence of abuse on his cell phone, he kidnapped the girl and fled to Las Vegas. He was arrested. The girl was rescued after five days on the run. She has just been awarded $8 million. And it turns out it's possible to 3D print a human heart using a patient's own cells. Israeli scientists recently accomplished the feat they reported in the journal Advanced Science. 
It is not a full human-sized heart. It's closer to the size of a rabbit's, but it is a complete heart with blood vessels, ventricles, and chambers. Could I stick like four or five of those in my chest and be okay? Because they're kind of undersized. Four or five rabbit hearts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do I care? Uh, So are we looking forward to a a brave new world where those who can afford it, and I don't know, maybe it'll cost a dollar and a half, I don't know, but those who can afford it will have a fridge full of organs ready to go. In case one goes south. Big party and your liver gives out. <laughs> For instance. <laughs> it's swapping the new one. Time to rally. <laughs> that's that's very, very possible. <laughs> Instead of boot rally, swap and rally. Come right. on. Get Come that on. new liver stuck in there, baby. <laughs> Have you ever made an incision before? <laughs> or or, or, or oh, if, if you two idiots are done, what if? Yes. <laughs> yes. What if somebody has lung cancer and you can just swap them out? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that would obviously be incredible. That'd It'd be, be a whole new whole new place, right? right. Fact that the uh, that the heart was grown from a patient's own cells vastly reduced the risk of a transplant failing. Can, no. can you grow eyeballs? I'd imagine you could, or, or not grow them, make them whatever make them, whatever yeah. you want to say. I mean, because my eyes are not great, and a lot of people I know uh, have vision problems, including young people. Let's try a new set. I got a pair of lemons. I got lemons in my eye sockets. Let's grow some new ones. Well, the researchers are saying within 10 years. They're the size of a rabbit's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) The researchers are saying that within 10 years, there will be organ printers in the finest hospitals around the world, and the procedures will be carried out routinely. That's incredible. In ten years, you say? Ten years. Unbelievable. Ten and years. Yeah, I'm Are sure lungs me? would be on the list. Yeah. God, that's amazing. There you go. That's your Smoke, new- drink, just all the stuff you've been wanting to do. No, no, no. That's not the message Red at all. Red meat, exercise, <laughs> screw that. You're getting new heart. <laughs> And if we have health care for all, the government will pay for it, right? All they have to do is make a little hole right here in your in your thigh. They pull your entire circulatory system out. Veins, arteries, capillaries, everything. Just right out, and then they just stuff a new one in. 3D print it, and in it goes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I want to add to what I've already yeah. got. I need a third hand for this job. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Well, you know, I got some spare room in there. Jam in a second liver. <laughs> God, you can drink people under the table. <laughs> God, I mean, come on. You got two livers. Processing, processing the alcohol. <laughs> right, oh, yeah. exactly. You could really put them oh, back. Just God. knock down an entire bottle of whiskey. People are like, what the hell? You'd win so many bar bets. Come on, everybody. It'd be fun. Oh, that's just what a dream that is. <laughs> now, if you want actual happiness, David Brooks thinks he's figured it out from a bunch of research and talking to smart people. It's not at the bottom of a whiskey bottle. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a couple of texts about on the uh, 3D printing of hearts, for instance. Can we discuss the mess a jammed heart printer makes? <laughs> heart printer's jammed! Ah, again? Can you hurry up? I need that, like, right now. Wouldn't two livers get you drunk twice as fast? 
I think you'd be spreading out the processing of the alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's your brain gets you drunk, not your liver. <laughs> mm. You're poisoning yourself just enough to be a little unsteady. I read that description, and, and I think about it now and again. And? <laughs> and it forget, makes you forget your forget problems. Forget your right? problems. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so it's Mueller Report Eve, and like it or not, you know, the best thing you could do, really, and this is this is not a smart thing to say, since this is what I do for a living, and you tuning in helps me put food in my children's mouths. But if you just plain wanted the information, the best thing to do would probably be roughly a week from now, read some columns in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, maybe after a full week, some of the smart people you like on, you know, whatever places, some conservative, some liberal. After a full week of lawyers talking about Gorham, because the early days of the Mueller report coming out starting tomorrow are going to be a disaster of truth. Just a disaster of facts. When you're through, tune in tomorrow. We'll have the Mueller report and what it means and what to think about it. Join us, won't you? <laughs> and it's expected you know to come out in the morning. about entertainment. Well, yeah, I, I said I'm, I'm working at cross purposes here. Mm. But uh, the the early reporting on it is just going to be, I mean, if it just shows up on a website, which I think is how it will probably come out, wouldn't you assume? It's released to the public on a website. MullerReport.com. I don't know. I really well, have no well, idea. Okay, they're not going to mail us a copy of, of it. So well, how no, else would it come out? <laughs> I, I don't know if they're just going to give it to Congress or it's released. The Justice the, Department will probably post it on their website. I believe it's released to the DOJ. public tomorrow. Really? Yeah. And they're going to mail it to us, you say? <laughs> we should get a copy. We should have it about Tuesday, depending on where you live. Right. No, I think it'll be on a website. So then you okay. got 400 pages of tiny print to, t- to, pr- to, to print off if mm-hmm. you want to have a copy. Substantially or read redacted, it online. of course. Yeah. And reading online has its you know bugaboos trying to go through it. And it's... You know, I don't know how legalese it's going to be, or if it's going to be written more of a narrative, I can follow it form, like the 9-11 report was. Right. Might be somewhat disorganized, uh, or, or not like not a narrative. It could just be a list of, of uh, interviews and the summary of them. I don't know. It will take at least... See, like, if I was a big-time news network, like I'm MSNBC or Fox or whatever, I got 10... Smart journalists with legal backgrounds ready to take different chunks of it. Sure. Because where the highlights are going to be in the whole thing, who knows? Mm -hmm. You could be ready to go the next day, certainly. And people aren't going to wait that long, though. Oh, no, of course not. That's why we'll bring you the Mueller report and what it means and what to think about it. I think what we do is we print it out and then we just flip the random pages. Yes. Page 282. Yes. Top left, here's what it says. Right. Or just make stuff up and claim it's in there. That'd be really funny, except we wouldn't do that to you folks, because you'd probably, you know, repeat it and then feel foolish. We so, would never want to do that. We will get into this in depth when we have more time tomorrow. David Brooks, who is a columnist for the New York Times, has got a new book out, and it's called The Second Mountain. And in an article in the New York Times right now, he's got the five lies our culture tells us. And what he's basing it on is this that we all know. College mental health facilities are swamped. Suicide rates are spiking. Um... People are reporting all kinds of mental health problems all around the country, this and that, lack of happiness, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he believes that it's not a political problem, it's a cultural problem. Our poli- the re- reason our politics are a mess is because our culture's a mess. And he's got five lies that our culture tells us. And I'll just hit you with the headlines and we'll get into them more tomorrow, I guess. 
Okay. Career success is fulfilling is a lie that society tells us. Doesn't hurt. Um, life is an individual journey. That gets to the whole, you need other people to be happy. And, and he, he has statistics to back this up. People who are happy, people, what they say on their deathbed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find your own truth. Is a lie our culture tells us. You, you do you is the whole, you find your own truth. Rich and successful people are worth more than poor and less successful people. Mm. And uh, we'll get into particulars of those coming up. Well, he, the, the, the career success he's talking about, we're convincing a lot of young people that you go to this college, get this degree, you will be happy. You're done. Mm-hmm. And it just and, and, and nobody who's a grown-up and actually out in the world believes that that's the case once you get out and you've been around. God, I don't think there's anybody age over the age of like 40 that thinks that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, it's a, certainly a fraudulent you know, promise that's made to young people. Or maybe even if you're older and you're not happy, you're thinking, I didn't choose the right major or career path. That's right. why I'm not happy. No, that's right. not it. Well, and listen. Personal relationships is the point of most of what he's, uh, he's into. I consider myself a realist, and I I have a job that I enjoy very much. You're just a realist that wants two livers, right? I really want two livers. <laughs> um, but and and this I I've always hated this, particularly among certain uh, brands of feminists who believe the only way a woman can be fulfilled or have a life that is worth living is if she labors for some corporation and makes them profit. Which is a perfectly fine thing to do. I come in every morning and I do roughly that. I They carve us off a chunk and I get to pay my house payment. Um, in short, it's a job. But the idea that, that any other life choice is uh, pathetic or not fulfilling, whether it's a stay-at-home mom or, or to get a little more uh, into the subtleties of the thing, women regularly trade freedom and and other sorts of fulfillment for the things at work that would get them more money. They make life choices saying, no, I'd rather have more balance in my life. Therefore, I'm not going to be 70-hour-a-work gen and and maybe make as much as some of the dudes whose lives are completely dominated by their work. And then those choices, which I think are smart and wise, those choices are portrayed as some sort of horrible, immoral wealth gap. Or, or pay gap, and women are getting cheated. No, many women are smart enough to understand that spending another 10 hours a week laboring from some godless corporation that doesn't give a crap about them and their lives just to make more money for the corporation themselves is not the life choice they'd like to make. Tomorrow might be the perfect day to get into that David Brooks book and the five things that actually make you happy on the day that everybody's going crazy over the Mueller report, because that's not going to make you happy either. For, for anybody who thinks that's... You know, the key to their happiness. Right, right. If we can finally find a real... I mean, this really looks like obstruction of justice. I mean, that'll bring you joy. I don't think so. It's Final Thoughts with A-N-G. I love that. Hopefully no more Hitler dings. Wow. No more Hitler dings? (laughs) It's unlikely. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. Wouldn't that be jolly? Hey, Positive Sean, final thought? Yeah, YouTube had a bit of a whoopsie-daisy with some of its fact-checking algorithm programs that it's trying to do to combat some of these conspiracy theory videos. They now have these things that, like on a 9-11 video, a thing will pop up and be like, oh, here's the Wikipedia entry for 9-11 if you want to learn more about it. 
Well, their algorithms confused the live streams of the Notre Dame burning with videos of 9-11, so they kept linking oh. 9-11 Wikipedia articles to videos oh, that were wow. live streaming the Notre Dame burning. Whoops. Wow. <laughs> Marshall Phillips, your final thought. All right, is my final thought another attempt. Gladys, could I have a drum roll, please? South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Well You're getting there. Fantastic. <laughs> He's Maltese, you know. Michelangelo, your final thought. Uh, yeah, if you're at a salon getting your hair cut or colored and you don't see a license on the wall, get out of the chair, run to your car and call the police, and if there's any other victims still under the blow-drying machine, get them out of the building. <laughs> Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share with the folks? I expect today, or tomorrow particularly, to be a low point in the history of journalism. I think it is going to just be a comical farce all day long. Do you remember that big Supreme Court ruling? Was it Obamacare or gay marriage? Whichever one it was where they all ran out of the building with the decision, and many of them proclaimed the exact opposite of what the Supreme Court had said. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of that tomorrow when the Mueller report comes out. So we do have something to look forward to. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Uh, So I was uh, reading for reasons I don't have time to get into about the concept of uh, Satan, the great Satan, the devil, etc. The modern English word word devil actually derives from a, a Greek word that means slanderer, or those who hurl slanders. Hmm. The liar. So don't do, don't do that. Well, I'm just thinking it's an interesting concept. That's what the word devil comes from. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to slander so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow with the Mueller report. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Bye-bye. Pete uh, Buttigieg. Armstrong and Getty.